0: to God, which is your spiritual worship, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the renewal of your mind, whatever you're said that by testing the renewing of your mind, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then we took that to to, to examine how we that genuine love that we have fills in for the will of God in, this, in the area and that, that he's given us to minister here. I skipped over some verses getting there, and I want to go back to those this week because that really tells us a lot about how we are to love one another more inside the church. So I'm going to go to that here in just a minute, but would you pray with me before we do that? I've got to tell you, the Lord is at work in this church body. Is he? Yeah, he is. And uh, I'm just so proud to be walking with him. I hope you are too, because we're following him. Lord, we thank you so much. This harvest morning that we've given to you, Lord, your harvest. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be a part of it. Lord, thank you for letting us be able to walk with these people in Christ, all of us together in one body in unity. Lord, we just praise you because it's a gift that you've given us. Lord, in honor of that gift, as we open your word this morning, Lord, show us how we can be more yours, more yours together as a body. All of that, Lord, for your glory and your glory only, not ours or anybody else's. We don't want to even pay any attention to anything else the world throws at us, Lord, because you're the one that shields us and it's you that we follow, nobody else. Lord, you be glorified as we open your word this morning. Teach us, all of us, Lord, something that we've never seen before. That's in the center of your perfect will. Give us, Lord, your discernment, your understanding, so we can discern what the perfect will of God is right here in this body. In Jesus' precious name, we ask and plead and rest. Amen. I'm going to... Pick up where I should have left off last week. Maybe, maybe not. Verse 3, Romans 12, verse 3. For by, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned in his teaching, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness—you know—assuming that we're all committed Christians, uh, according to the guidelines that we set out in Romans twelve one, what we read earlier. Um, how are we doing with having our minds renewed? That's a continual thing; it's not done once. Our minds are renewing, continual. So how are we doing that? Um, how are we doing with renewing our minds and our thinking about ourselves? How are we doing with renewing our minds and thinking about the brothers and sisters sitting around you? How do we do that? How are we doing with all that? Are you looking at that, examining that? Are you using God's word, his, his communication with him and prayer and the Holy Spirit leading us? Are we doing that to discern what the will of God is? Hmm, let's we'll see how the scripture answers that because that's really what it does. It. Uh, let's start with how, how you think about ourselves. Look in verse three, Paul, Paul, again, he advises us. He, and Paul's really good at this. He gives us a negative way to do it and a positive way to do it. Uh, first, the negative. For, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Let me tell you what, this is really lively language. Paul never wrote any other way. It literally says, listen, everybody, don't super think of yourself or maybe don't hi- <clears throat> hyper yourself in front of everybody. You know, the church at Rome, which was the most important city in the world, right? Oh, we, we don't live anywhere near one like that. They probably had a lot of people that thought of themselves more highly than anybody else. Hmm. We don't have any of those around here, I know. But this may be why two chapters later Paul's writing to the church, he, he's at, the church at Rome. He begins with Romans 14 with, as for the one who is weak in faith, listen to this, as the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Hmm, I wonder how many times we do that. We let the world around us with their opinions say, oh, well, you mean maybe you're not doing that right? Or, You know what? Who do we follow? Jesus Christ. And we're going to do it his way, are we not? Yeah. Not real popular in the world, is it? Enough said about that. Whatever whoever, whatever, In people that are thinking more highly than themselves, then we ought to think, that's, you know what, that's the way Satan made us, isn't it? Focused on ourselves. And we're here to build ourselves up. Isn't that the way that our, our, our uh, nation actually teaches us? You know, he must be really good. He's rich. Ever had that thought? Or really, I want to be rich like that. Or I want to be a great baseball. I mean, whatever. You know, we want to be what the world says is success that humanness is inherited from Adam. That's the way we're built. People love to think of themselves first. That's not what scripture says, is it? Let's keep reading. Look at the... There's two way, But First of all, there's two ways to self-focus. This, this self-focusing shows up in the world around us. Um, I always loved it. We just talked about it, but I always loved people that always... You're getting these personal achievement awards, personal achievement awards. Did you get that? So how well they've done by their own thinking, by their own standards, their own measure. The person tells you how smart he is or, or how, how much he's done or how strong he is or how rich he is or, or he's going to really be rich when he gets a big break and wins the lottery or something, you know. Legend in his own mind or, or something like that. But there's another form of, of over thinking ourselves or or trying to our overestimation. It's really obvious around us too. Like someone who self-consciously talks about themselves as if they were nobodies. Oh, I'm not really worthy of this honor. I'm not really really worthy to have done this great thing. You ever heard that? Yeah. And when a person acts like that, you know, the first thing you want to do is say, well, no, no, you're better than that. But really what we made they say is, you know what, your self-discernment should come from Christ. So maybe you're right. Hmm. So how are we supposed to think about ourselves? Read the rest of verse 3. But to think with sober judgment. Instead of super thought, we're supposed to have sober thought. Okay, so what does that look like? Each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You know, I like the Christian Standard Translation. If you hadn't read that, that's a good one. Um, It says, instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, here's the problem. Some people think that that teaches that sound judgment comes in proportion to the amount of faith that God's given you. If we have strong faith, then we're going to think in a right way about ourselves. But... A better understanding would have this, this one word, measure, translated as standard. So look at this. The idea is that God has given each believer a standard of faith by which to measure himself. And you know what that standard is? Jesus Christ. That's the standard we should be measuring ourselves by. We're being made in his image, are we not? You know, we just sang about making him Lord of our lives. Oh, thank you, Patrick. That's a great choice of songs this morning. Is he Lord? It was so great to hear Denise give that testimony this morning. He's Lord, and we've talked about what that means. He's in charge. He's Lord. He's the standard by <coughs> which we are to judge ourselves. and According to this verse, we aren't supposed to estimate ourselves according to, to, to feelings, subjective feelings, uh, but rather according to our relationship to Jesus Christ. And when a Christian sees that Christ is the standard of measurement, he will not think of himself more highly than he ought to, but rather think of himself with sober judgment. That's what my version says. Hmm. So are you soberly thinking about yourself? It's okay if Christ is the standard because you know what? He's making you into his image. Is that exciting? Ah, I believe it's impossible to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think if we understand the Christ in us, who we're following, who's leading us. If we truly make Christ our standard, we'll experience, I think, the reality of the first beatitude, which is blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's what we have. That's been given to us by grace. You know If you allow me, can I paraphrase that that first beatitude for you? How happy are those who realize that they have nothing of their own? That means nothing they've done, nothing that they made. They have nothing of their own that they can give to God because theirs is God's kingdom. Oh, wow. If that didn't make you put goosebumps on you, I don't know what would. We've been given the whole kingdom of God through Jesus Christ because he's our standard. Is he Lord of your life? Yeah. Look what we have to look forward to. Yeah, you know what? And if Christ is our standard, then I'm not going to be exalting myself or super looking at me in any way, are you? you can't do that, can you? For humble before Christ. And you know what? And the people who, who point to themselves because they're more gifted than somebody else. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Because they're more gifted than somebody else. Mm. Can't really can't do they do that, can they? Because Christ is our standard. So, how are we thinking about ourselves today? The whole body. How do we look at ourselves? All of us as believers, we're all united. We're all together, right? So, if we're all together, and Christ is our standard, we have that in common. Amen. Amen. Were there any amens in here this morning? that I'd leave me. Okay, that's what. you... It's okay. You know what amen means? We already talked about this. Amen means that's true. And you agree. Okay. You know, the old time me say, agree, agree, agree. Amen. Same thing. Okay. Look at verse 3. For the, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to be, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So having this right thinking of ourselves, we, we can know how to have a right thinking about our fellowship. Those who walk with it with showing the living Christ living in us. All of us to different degrees, I understand. Some of us are newer than others, right? Um, we all, you always know, said but we're, we all are in different places together. We're all in different maturities together, aren't we? Okay. Look at verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function. So we, through though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Now, you know, I'm not going to get into the Greek that I I do that too much and you throw something at me when it's time to stop. But that one word in there, for us, or yours may say, for as, I mean, it says as, at the beginning of verse 4, Ties verse 4 back to verse 3. How we are to look at the whole body together is the same way we look at ourselves with Christ as a standard of measure. We're one body which, which we are all members, even though this unity is a little mysterious, you know, we don't really understand it all the time, it is real. I wish I had time this morning to share with you the testimony. I, you know, I've traveled around a lot, and I'm sorry for that. I'm, I'm trying to get over that. But I've traveled around to different parts of the world, and everywhere I went as a believer, there was, there was this spirit that brought us all together because we had the same nature, we had the same standard, which is Jesus Christ. It didn't make any difference about languages or skin color or any of those things we think make a difference. It doesn't. Or our culture, our style, or any of that stuff. Jesus Christ gives us all the same nature, and that's what we—that's what we share together, isn't it? And I got to tell you, working with some folks, the leadership in, in this church body this week has been wonderful because we showed that to a lot of folks that didn't really get necessarily appreciate it, didn't they? But we did. We walked together and we showed them that we have a nature together in Jesus Christ. We're one body of which we are all members. Even though this unity is mysterious, like I said, it is real. This body illustration uh, doesn't mean we should try to, to live more of a life, you know, as a commune together. I, that would really be strange for a lot of us. But 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 it's what it, it does mean is that it shows the reality of this nature that we have in common when we all come together because we have Jesus. 2 Peter 1.4 says, He has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. I like that. A partakers is the same word for the coin, the, uh, fellowship that we have. We all get our, our, our spiritual life from the same source. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. We all come from the same forward. Anybody here ever been a farmer? You ever done any of that kind of stuff, you know, where you graft branches together? Where does the life come from those new branches that have been grafted in? From the trunk. And who's the trunk? Who's the root of everything we have? Jesus Christ. We've all been grafted into the same one together. Our unity is what Christ prayed for. Remember in the, in, in the garden, uh, he was praying to the Father The um, um, in John 17, the great high priestly prayer that theologians call it. Look what he says. This is just three examples of what he says. That all of them may be One. That's what he, Jesus is praying to the God the Father for you and me that all of all of us may be one father just as you are in me and I am in you wow we're to have the same kind of fellowship that Jesus has with the father all of us in one that they may be one even as we are one later on that they I in them and you and me that they may become perfectly one wow we're perfectly one in Christ. Someday we will be. I'm not there yet. But we're going to get there, right? And and while there is very real unity, there's also real div- diversity. And the members do not have, I'm reading down verse 1, and the members do not have all the same functions. so we through many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Now, you know what? I, I kind of, working all this out on you know, my seminary days, I'd go back and, I, and I'd read you know, what, what do people really write about this? And so F.F. F. Bruce, who was a great Scottish preacher, wrote, listen to this, diversity, not uniformity, is the mark of God's handiwork. I love that. You know, he says, look around you. I'm going to paraphrase what he did. He says, look around you. You see all the diversity and everything, but it's all God's work. It's all his kingdom. It's all for his glory. It's all beautiful in him, isn't it? But it's all diverse. It's not the same thing. And he says, it's so in nature, it's also true in grace. And nowhere more so than in the Christian community. Here are many men and women with the most diverse kinds of parentage, environment, temperament, and capacity. Not only so, but since they became Christians, they have been endowed by God with a great variety of spiritual gifts as well. Yet because, and by means of that diversity... All can cooperate for the good of the whole. Isn't that neat? How we all work together for the good of the whole? God's glory is revealed in the diversity of his people. Now, you know what? I don't know about you. I've, I've been a lot in diverse congregations before. We're pretty diverse, aren't we? We got about one of every kind here. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you know what? And that's a great thing to love, isn't it? I do. And I hope you do too. Uh, this means that as we measure ourselves by, by Christ's standard or by his measure, we will believe ourselves, believe in ourselves and what we're doing in him. Being in Christ's body, it actually maximizes our uniqueness. We have a really unique environment here to be telling about Jesus Christ. Unique in that it's probably more intense in some areas than maybe anywhere else near us. Um, but God's put us here, hasn't he? And isn't it wonderful when this community around us sees us as one in him? And look, and while the, the, our unity is, is a, where did I, okay, okay. Diversity and unity is balanced out with our mutuality. I don't know, these are three points, you know, that it, I read when I was in seminary, but mutuality. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members one of another. Each member belongs to the other. That's in the last part of five. Uh, First Corinthians uh, 12 says that when one member rejoices, the whole group rejoices. You know, and when one hurt, they all hurt. I I read a testimony one time about an athlete, and he was talking about he broke his leg and he says, how's your leg doing? And he said, well, you know what? I, um, my leg was so bad that the rest of my body, th- my leg was so bad the rest of my body stayed up all night with it. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that one. You? <laughs> Had that a few times. Uh, each of us belongs to each other. And when we have hurts, we all hurt. And we all stay up all night with each other, right? Nah, that's okay. Um, but we do. We all hurt. I hope we're close like that. I hope we all have this mutual love, this mutual service within us. Each of us belongs to each other, and you know what? Our needs belong to each other. We don't have any place for Lone Rangers around here. You know what? If you think... Some, some folks may be here this morning. If you think like your life is stuck or it's stopped, or you, you know what? Get involved with someone else in walking with Jesus Christ. Someone in here. Because if not, you're depriving yourself of growth, of spiritual growth, if you don't do that. You know, we're, we're, we, we advertise these life groups. You know what? I don't know if someone here... Feels like, yeah, I do want that relationship. I want to have, I want to be able to walk with someone and grow with them. Let me tell you what we have—we have groups here that you know we do meet on a regular basis, and we're growing together. We all, every one of us, not anybody in any of these life groups that I that I have been a part of, have come to a point where it's all smooth sailing. And you know what? We're able to work it out by praying together, by reading God's Word together. You know, by doing it all together in Him, because He lives in us, and we had that nature in us. So, you know, wherever you are, come. Let's talk. Let's figure out a way that we can all get connected. Everybody, maybe not all of us. At one time, we do that on Sundays, right? But come, let's get connected, walking with Him. I guarantee you. You may think you have different needs than I do, and, and he, you know that. You know what? We're all given challenges, and um, you'd be surprised how we all work them out by going to him mutually. They're all, we're all in different places, but we're all in different places together. So those who think rightly about themselves, measuring themselves by the standard that God has given them in their faith, discernment as one body because they recognize that they don't exist for themselves. They're free to develop and use their gifts. God's given you gifts. And you know what? You're, you use them in the body as we walk together and we, and we live together. And look what happens in using the gifts together. You know, we all have different ones. We all use them together in one body. Having gifts that differ, I'm in verse 6. Having di- gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service... And our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who who does acts of mercy cheerfully. Here's one thing. I I want to look at these just real quickly. I want you to be thinking about this. These basic ones. And we'll spend more time on gifts. you want to do that? Come. Let's talk. But, but let, let's just look. I want you to know this. First of all, everyone here has a gift from God. If you've given yourself to Jesus Christ, he has given you a gift. You have one. You may think, oh, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. Well, no, no, no. You have a gift. And he's given it to you for the body that's around you so that we can do his will. And we know how to discern what that will is, right? We're giving ourselves as living sacrifices daily. Everybody here has a gift. There is no Christian that's been left out of that. That's that's what Christ does when he comes into your heart. So, you know, I would say, not to put you on the spot, but you've been given a gift. And everybody who who was baptized last week, you were given a gift for this body or the body that you're walking with. How are we going to put that to use here? If you want to figure out what that is, come, we'll do that. And let me tell you what, the list that we're going to look at here, there's seven of them here. It's not exhaustive. It's not all there is. There are other gifts. Um, And here's another thing I want you to know about gifts. The modern church culture wants to take these gifts, and they want to put them up here on the food pantry. And if I'm missing that one, I need to go over to 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 the gift store and give me some more gifts. And then we're going to plan out how we're going to do these meals, right? It does not work that way. God has given you a gift for his purpose. For his will, for his design, that's it. Okay, enough of that. You know, gift planning can be really spiritually stifling if you don't know the truth, uh, especially when it's not matched with our accurate understanding of what gifts are. That's why I want us to look at these here just a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of people who fall into that gift shopping thing. <laughs> gift shopping, I hadn't even thought about that. You know, shopping that God's given us to, to make, make our group complete, mm-hmm, they kind of fall off because they don't understand what it's all about, and especially when their gift plan doesn't work because it's not God's plan. Now, we have to understand these spiritual gifts. And actually, in, in the, I would still go to the Greek. It's actually the graces. They're gifts, they're graces that God's given us. Um, Scripture tells us how to use seven of these graces. Let's just look at them real quick. I don't want to take a long time on it. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, you know, uh, the the gift of prophecy, a lot of people think, oh, okay, that's the guy I saw in the movies that's going to tell me what's going to happen, you know, a thousand years from now. Um, Sometimes the gift of prophecy is predictive but not necessarily, and not uh, not all the time. Uh, Prophecy is normally the communication of what's been revealed that's going to make a difference in God's plan in your life and all of our lives. Uh, and you know what it does? Prophecy is really designed to build people up towards God. It's the way God's always given it to us to put us towards Him, not to predict the future. So, you know. That crystal ball back here in the back has got to go. Most of the time, uh, the the one who has this gift uh, will have really penetrating things to say about what's going on in the world around us. And how we are to to use that for God's glory. Okay. Uh, He says he's doing this each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So we're right back to... The measure of faith, which is Christ, our standard of faith is Christ, what he's given us. That's how we do it. Verse 7, real quick. It's service service and serving. Um, Serving is the same word as it's diaconus, as servant, as deacons. How do you serve? It means serving. It doesn't mean, anyway, it means serving. Um, So the one who serves is to serve exercising his gift of service that God's given him. To the fullest, to the max. Um, The one who teaches in his teaching. You know, And look, teaching is different than prophecy. I know times we get that that confused that it instructs the mind. Prophecy instructs the heart or the will. Uh, Teaching is more concerned with knowledge, prophecy with revelation. You see the difference? They're two different things and they're two different gifts. And they're applied differently in the church, too. Um, you know, here, let me read real quick. Donald, Donald Gray Barnhouse. I don't know if you ever you remember him on the radio, any of you? He, anyway, he was a great preacher. Um, and he did a lot of his stuff up here in Philadelphia. Donald Gray Barnhouse, he died in 1990, I think. So he's been gone a while. But he has some really piercing question about how you exercise your gifts in the church. Listen to this. Have I, here's what you need to ask yourself. Have I listened to his voice? Have I laid my own season in the dust before Him in order to take it again, enlightened by Him? Or for use in in my work? Have I been spiritually alert and dependent upon the Holy Spirit? Have I gone again and again to the Word of God to refresh my own soul before speaking to others? Have I tried to live what I preach? Have I acknowledged my sins when the Lord showed me showed them to me and repented of them? Have I recognized moment by moment my utter dependence upon the Lord? Have I been lazy? Have I been diligent? Have I insulted the Lord by feeding his sheep with ill-prepared food? That's pretty sobering stuff, isn't it? And that's where we're supposed to be. Let's go on to the next one. Then there's this, this grace of exhortation. Anybody here know what exhortation really means? <laughs> you know, do you know what exhortation... I know, that's one of those words we just don't use. I think I'm going to go down, on down the corner here and exhort for a while. You know? <laughs> you might get arrested. You know, I don't even know what that, that means when we use it like that. This, it says, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. What that means is to come alongside and encourage. It really means to encourage come alongside encouraging encourage in Christ. Have you been given the gift of exhortation from Christ? Do you come alongside people and encourage them when they're walking in His way? When they're following Him? That's what exhortation is about. And i got to tell you, there's a lot of them in this church body. I, I love that. <laughs> I love being encouraged in Him. Not in anything else that I might be doing somewhere else for some other reason. What a blessing it's been this week. The encouragement that I've seen in those who have walked together. Encouraging some who were baptized last week or come to the Lord just recently. Next thing. It's the grace of giving. The one who contributes in generosity. Hmm. In generosity should be translated, actually, with simplicity. You're supposed to give this, be given from a a cheerful heart. Yeah, yeah, I like all that stuff too. But it says with generosity. Generosity means simple. Just do it. I'm back to that Nike thing on it. You know, just do it. it, but do it simply, because you want to, because you love the Lord, because He wants you to, because you love Him. It's really talking about our motive in giving. Why are we doing it? Are we doing it because oh, it's that time of the month, or you know, why are we doing that? We're doing it simply. And if you have the gift of doing that, you know, without all the ulterior motives or without, you know, a spotlight on or anything like that or, you know, with a lot of fanfare, then I would say just do it. Because then it's done in genuine love. That's the love of God here and the love of God back up. Genuine love, that agape kind of love we talked about last week. And you know what? When we do it, it's simply to be for the glory of God. That's why we do it. We do everything for the glory of God. And there, there's, there's this grace of leadership. The one who leads with zeal, um, <laughs> those who exercise spiritual leadership in the church. You know, whether you're a pastor or an elder or a Sunday school teacher or or, or whatever, uh, you know, what kind of leader that, that you are in the church. You can't wing it. <laughs> a lot of a lot of times, you know, I'm I mean, I'm not going to give you any of those stories, but you know. I've, been in some churches where you know the leadership kind of wins it uh, can't do that it's not what it's all about and that's not what it says here you're supposed to do it with zeal that means you know you're prepared for it you're, you're doing it for the glory of God and you're excited about it you can't be casual and you can't be um, too casual about it but you know you should see this ability as granted divinely from God from God Himself. Last here is the grace of showing mercy through one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, that's the same word that we use for our offering. Sometimes you know, with, with um, get up, and down, and get excited about it. It comes the word is "hilario" in Greek, which where we get the word "hilarious." So you do it with you know with with a lot of excitement and in happiness. Um, and you know it, it takes different forms. This form comes with. With aiding, I put it down to some list. Aiding the poor, working with handicapped, you know, whatever kind of handicap there is. Tending, tending those who are sick, you know, you do it with it because you love it because you love the Lord, and you can do it with, with cheerfulness and excitement. Uh, those are a lot of graces. We'll just stop there. You know, if you go to other parts of the Bible and you're looking for a list, First uh, Corinthians 12. I think some some people say there's 15 there. Some people say there's 19 there. Personally. I believe that there are thousands of gifts that God gives us. And, you know, they may fall into some of these categories, but I know this, everybody here has one. And you've been given it from God for his glory. Whatever it is, we're here to serve him and for his glory. Um, So, you know what, Maybe, maybe the Lord's speaking to you. Maybe God is speaking to you right now. He's saying, you know what? You do have a gift. Maybe you do feel, you know, or maybe you've been trying to exercise some gift that he didn't give you because, you know, you see some sort of need here. Whatever. God has given you a gift. Would you please exercise that? We've got a task here before us in this community. We have, we are surrounded by people who don't know Jesus Christ, and he's put us here for a reason. Uh, I... I I'll tell you that another time. But th- th- this, this whole area has been hmm, been said about this community that this is, this is one of the darkest places in America. And that started 200 years ago when a revival of the Great Second Waiting was preached here. George Whitefield said if all the places he went to, 80% of America at the time, the darkest place he'd been to was Baltimore. Why are we here? I don't think there's anybody around here that I know in this congregation that's dark inside their heart, but there's a lot around in our community that is. And He's put us here, and He's enabled everybody here, everyone without exception, with a gift for His glory. And that's bringing people to Jesus Christ and to salvation through Him. Would you please pray? What is your gift? We're all in this body together. I'm glad we are. And we're all in this together for him and for his glory. So it all comes back to what I was saying earlier, and that is do we think about ourselves in a right way? Is there right thinking going on in our heads? According to the standard we have learned is Jesus Christ. So you're holding yourself up against him, the one who's making you into his image, made you in his image, and is making you into the perfect person he's going to present to God the Father someday without flaw. But he's working on that. We're all under construction. Anybody here finished with that one? No, we're all under construction. And we're doing it together, aren't we? Amen. Are we thinking right too? Are we thinking too highly of ourselves? Um, are we comparing ourselves to others so we look good so we can have more numbers or more whatever you know what I don't really care what I care about is Jesus Christ if so we need to look to Christ blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven that's what we have that's what we've inherited already amen so are we thinking rightly about other believers is the body um, a reality to us this body of believers? Is unity? Is diversity? Yeah. Um, is mutuality? We're all in this, we have this one mutual relationship with him. And so how what is our thinking about the gifts? I go back to Romans 12 1. We might have a right mind, the renewing of our minds, know in a right way the renewing of our mind through Christ Jesus so that we can discern what the perfect will of God is. And that's where we're here, what we're talking about, isn't it? What is his will in this community? May we be have that on our mind for his glory forever and ever. Lord, I thank you so much for your word that is so powerful. Lord, forgive us when we don't look at ourselves and we don't look at what is around us in a right way. Lord, the only right way is with you. Lord, help us clear the fog from our eyes, from our heads, from our lives that's in the way between seeing you clearly and doing what is your perfect will, knowing what it is and then doing it. Lord, I thank you for this body of believers that's here this morning that listens to you, hears your word. Lord, may it all be so that we are take action in the center of your will through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. You be glorified, I pray. Amen. We have a time every time we uh, come together to worship and... and praise our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If there's anyone here who uh, who's heard and, and, and knows that God has been working in your heart and loves you and